Hello and welcome to Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to Radio Astronomy's Star Diary, our guide to the best thing to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky in the month of December 2021. I'm news editor Ezzy Pearson, and I'm joined on the podcast today by reviews editor Paul Manny, who's going to tell us the best things to catch in this month's night sky. So, Paul, what are your recommendations for December 2021? Hi, Ezzy. Well, I mean, you know, December, we've got the dark skies. Yeah! <laughs> Finally. <laughs> the, the, bad, the bad news is, of course, we hit the, uh, the, the, the winter solstice and then the lights start to, the nights start to go, oh, no, we can't have that. You know, lighter nights, good grief. But uh, let's enjoy the December skies as we can because we've got a, a host of events, some in the morning and some in the evening as well. We've got a gathering of evening planets, especially towards the end of the month, which will be interesting. So uh, we start actually with the morning sky. In this particular case sort of thing, we're looking at Mars. Uh, Mars has been a bit absent for a while because, of course, it had uh, its uh, uh, conjunction with the sun. So it's not observable. In fact, it affected the uh, rovers, uh, if you remember, because they can't communicate with the rovers, can they, uh, when it's so close to the sun because of the line of sight. But uh, Mars is back in the morning sky now. And, of course, rover operations have all resumed as well. So from December the 1st to the 3rd, we're looking in the morning sky and... uh, it's it's really you're looking at about sort of like twilight time so as the onset of twilight what you'll see is the crescent moon on december the 1st is to the left of spicer and spicer crosses uh, alpha virginis it's in the constellation of virgo and um, so this is emerging into the morning sky as well the next morning it's a slimmer crescent for the moon so the i i love you know, watching out for these. They're just ethereal. They're just hanging there, this lovely little slim crescent. And you often see the Earth shine as well, the uh, dark side of the moon, uh, feebly illuminated, of course, by light from the Earth. So the light bounced off the Earth's atmosphere back onto the moon. So it's second-hand sunlight, really, isn't it? So on the second, it's actually just above Alpha uh, Libra. Now, that's Zuban El Gunubi. That's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it, sort of thing. But it's a nice (laughs) double star, you know, very good for binoculars and small telescopes. So uh, I always like it when the moon's close to targets like this because it draws our attention to them. So, uh, you know, it probably if you'd never seen this double star before, that's the morning to do it if you're actually out observing. And then on the third, what you find is the really, it'll be really difficult because the, the crescent moon will be really low to the horizon. But if you do spot it, you'll see to its upper right, Mars. Mars will be emerging out of the uh, glare of the sun. So it's into the morning sky now. And in fact, Mars will be playing piggy in the middle because uh, Zubin will be one side and uh, the crescent moon will be the other. But you've got to be careful as you're watching for the crescent moon this time because obviously the sky will be getting lighter. And what you mustn't do is leave it too long and then accidentally catch a glimpse of the sun. Obviously, you've got to be very, very careful. And certainly with optical aid, you know, you have to be really careful and and really pay attention to watching out for when sunrise occurs. So uh, so there we are in the morning sky. Then December the 1st to the 3rd sort of thing, we've got an encounter with Spicer, then Alpha uh, Libre, and then Mars, all with the crescent moon. But I say the last one will be a lot harder to see, a really slim crescent moon. 
Now, December the 1st to the 31st, I mean, you know, the whole month, gone, that's it, yeah, the whole <laughs> month. Um, what we've got to bear in mind, we, we've, we've harked on about this for quite a few months and it sounds like we're a stuck record, you know, but Venus is still there. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a quirk of the tilt of the Earth that the ecliptic over the last couple of months has started to get steeper. And that has had an interesting effect because it effectively means that Venus, which has been very low, has actually improved in visibility, even though it is slowly dropping back towards the glare of the sun. So it's dropping deeper into the twilight, but the steepening of the ecliptic means it's keeping it above the horizon. So we've still got Venus. You, you'd have expected to have lost it several months ago, um, but that's down, I say, to the uh, time of year and the steepness of the ecliptic. So it will actually look as if it's gradually catching up with Jupiter and Saturn. Now, Jupiter is receding further from Saturn, so Saturn is piggy in the middle at the moment with Jupiter and Venus. But Venus's motion stops and then it starts to head back to the solar glare. So it looks like it's going to have a close encounter with Saturn, but it doesn't get one. Ah, oh, isn't that a shame? But it does happen at other years, so we'll have to watch out for them. So as it happened, they're all in the southwestern evening twilight skies. And the reason why I mention it for the whole month is that we'll have them all month in this sort of position, um, gradually dropping more and more into the twilight. And as such, in the last week of the month, we get Mercury joining Venus as well. But we'll come back to that a little bit later on. When we're looking on December the 6th and 7th, what we find is the crescent moon then lies either side of Venus in the early evening twilight. It's passed through new phase. Remember, on the 3rd, it was really low to the horizon in the morning sky. So it passed through new phase, and now it's into the evening sky. And because Venus is in the evening twilight, then it's going to have the first encounter with that planet. And it's a lovely, I mean, again, uh, if, you, if you could take a picture, uh, I think this is an interesting experiment, take a picture of Venus and the moon on December the 6th, and then take another picture on the 7th. Venus, again, will be like playing piggy in the middle. It'll be a little bit of an isosceles triangle. But the crescent moon will be to the lower right of Venus on the 6th, and then off to slightly to the upper left of Venus on the 7th. But there's another bonus, because you're almost describing a W in the sky. Because on the 7th, it'll actually be to the lower right. This is the moon. The crescent moon will be to the lower right of Saturn. So, so you can see how Venus has crept up closer to Saturn so that you're getting them in the same apparition with the moon. So December the 6th, close to Venus, then the other side uh, of Venus on the 7th, but below Saturn sort of thing. So there we've got Saturn. Then on the 8th, the moon plays the piggy in the middle and forms a triangle with Saturn and Jupiter. So we've got a whole string of planetary encounters with the moon, I say from December the 6th to the 9th. On the 9th, the the thicker crescent moon by now will be to the lower left of Jupiter. Um, but on the 8th, just as an extra, I mean, I always like these little extras again sort of thing. On the 8th, the crescent moon will be just above um, the uh, star uh, Zeta Capricorni. So if you've never seen that star before, which it's a naked eye star, in theory you should have done, but, you know, it, it's easy to just look up and see, oh, well, that's just a star. Well, you'll be able to identify this particular star because on December the 8th, the crescent moon will be just above Zeta Capricorni. So uh, there we are, a little string of planets for you in the evening sky at first, but I say we'll, we'll come back to this later on. Now, for the whole month, the question is, will we have a bright comet? 
we've got Comet A1 Leonard. Now, the problem with this is comics are, comics are fickle. They're really fickle. We've had so many comics that we thought were going to be, oh, this is absolutely going to be brilliant, and then they just fizzle away to absolutely nothing, or I'll do the naughty on us and disintegrate. How dare they disintegrate us on that, you know, when we're wanting a really good comic. So, <laughs> you know, we, we, we are. We are at the mercy of them, aren't we, Ezzy? Because, you know, we, we, we just never know. We were so blessed with Comet Nearwise last summer. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you couldn't, well, say last summer. I, I, it's hard to imagine sort of thing. The first year of lockdown, you know. So, uh, you know, it gave us something to look at, didn't it? <laughs> take a mind off things. And it was an absolutely brilliant comic. Now, we can't promise that uh, A1 Leonard will actually do that. We just don't know. Um, we start off December sort of thing. On the 6th, it's sort of above Arcturus. And it, this is in the morning sky. So it seems fairly high up, but it is dropping rapidly. It's heading towards the horizon. And so December the 6th, as I say, close to Arcturus. So that's one way of checking it. But it will be around about ninth, nine and a half magnitude. But estimates really do vary wildly with this comet. And you can't really tie down comet magnitudes very well in, in advance because, as I say, they can be so fickle it could fizzle away completely. So we're keeping an eye on this, but it rapidly drops down through Serpens and then into sort of Ophiuchus as we head towards the middle of the month. But because it's dropping down, it's getting deeper and deeper into the morning twilight. It should be brightening, so we'll all be watching out to see what it does. Will it develop a tail? You know, um, as we just don't know, you know. So uh, we'll have to wait and see how active it be, how bright it will be. I mean, some predictions suggest that it's bright as it could be plus four, which is as bright as the Andromeda galaxy. But uh, we don't know because in twilight, the Andromeda galaxy isn't easy. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's a, you know, it swings and roundabouts as to how good it really be. It could complete surprises and go absolutely mad. You know, we could have a really dramatic one. It could also, as I say, completely disintegrate. So it's a really pain, real pain. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I quite like how unpredictable comets are because there's so many things in astronomy which are like you can predict where Mars is going to be in 2000 years. You know, everything runs exactly like clockwork. And then you've got something like a comet and you don't know what it's going to do. And that sort of element of surprise, I think, is quite nice to, to have sometimes. I agree completely. You know, it, it gives you that you know, bit of uh, unpredictability. Now, there is a sort of, it, it's sort of good news and bad news because I've mentioned that this comet is in the morning sky and it's heading down towards the east-southeast horizon into the twilight. But ironically, because of its position, it hugs the actual sort of like northwest to west to southwest horizon in the evenings. So again, you need to be looking in the evening twilight. And this is the problem. It's in the twilight. So we, if it, it needs to get really bright to be spotted in the twilight. So it hugs the horizon all the way through the month sort of thing until about sort of the 24th. And in fact, it passes under Venus. So Venus on the 17th and 18th will be a good guide to see if you can find the comet in twilight with binoculars sort of thing. So its brightness will really play an important aspect as to whether we spot it or not. And my gut feeling is we won't, but let's hope it surprises us and does something completely unexpected and we get this wonderful comet. We can only hope. So, uh, you know, we, we wait for these comets. So uh, fingers crossed what will actually happen with it. 
Okay, I've just mentioned like December the 17th and 18th. Well, a day early on December the 16th, we have the gibbous moon uh, in the evening sky. And it forms, I always like it when it forms triangles. I know when you've got two other objects, it's got to be a triangle, hasn't it? Sort of thing. We, we always say this. But this is the moon forming a triangle with Messier 45, the Pleiades, the Seven Sisters star cluster in Taurus, and with Aldebaran in the Hyades star cluster. And of course, Aldebaran is not really a member of the cluster at all. It's half the distance, so it's not a true member itself. But the, visually, it looks like it, doesn't it? So the moon forms this sort of wide, it's almost an, an equilateral triangle in actual fact, sorry, a right-angled triangle. But the, the bit about this that I like is that it's not too far from the uh, dwarf planet Ceres. So Ceres has been passing through the Hyades cluster. I did get a night when I spotted Ceres just to the right of Aldebaran sort of thing in binoculars and on a photograph. So Ceres has been moving through the Hyades during November and now it's actually well away. But the moon is a bit of a guide. You've got to bear in mind the moonlight will probably wash out Ceres, but it's worth having a go for it sort of thing. You never know. You might be able to spot it. And it's the odd dot. If you watch night after night, it's the one dot that moves. <laughs> that's that's the telltale sign with these minor worlds and dwarf planets. Um, from night after night, they should show a movement, whereas the stars will remain fixed in relation to their constellations. So that's December, the actual 16th. Series, by the way, will be magnitude seven and a half. So yeah, very bright, big, bright moon near it will be a bit of a pain. Now, the next night, the 17th, the moon will be to the right of Tau Tauri. Now, I had to say that, Kerry, if you say it too quick, you get all tongue-tied, Tau Tauri, sort of thing. But Tau Tauri actually is occulted by the moon for parts of the UK, not all, sort of thing, you know. So, you know, but it's worth keeping an eye out because Tau Tauri has got a companion. And I always find it interesting, sort of thing, because in this case, the moon, which will be getting closer to full, it's full on the 19th. So it's quite a bright moon, but Tau is actually a bright star. So it's worth looking out because the companion gets occulted first. And I always find that fascinating. It's fascinating just to see a single star occulted. But when you actually see a companion, you see the moon creeping closer to the companion, you know it's going to go first. It adds a, an extra you know, value added to the actual spectacle itself. So that's sort of in the late evening. We're talking about 9.20 onwards. Sort of. So start looking early. And I say not all parts of the UK will actually get to see it. Uh, the actual moon will miss for some parts of the UK. But even so, worth looking out. I even like the close encounters because it shows the clockwork motion, doesn't it, of the solar system. You mentioned the clockwork motion, and yes, you're right, sort of the unexpected is really good. But there's also this fact that we can make these predictions of occultations of stars really accurately as well and look out for these as well. So there you are, that's on the 17th. Now, if we turn to the morning sky again and we go back to Mars. As the month progresses, Mars is gradually improving. It's getting better place, slightly darker skies uh, as it gets further away from the solar glare. So it's trying to get out of the twilight. And on the sort of like the 18th and 19th, on the 18th is between Graphius and Deshuba in Scorpius. So this is Beta and Delta uh, Scorpii. Now, that's on the 18th. On the 19th, it's really close to Omega-2 Scorpii, sort of thing, which lies directly below Graphius Beta Scorpii. So this is 
uh, Mars actually moving through uh, Scorpius itself. So uh, I always find it fascinating when, again, when a planet is really close to any of the bright stars sort of thing, you know, and Omega too, it'd be a really close encounter. Omega is actually a double star, very wide, naked eye, you know, so worth taking out your eyes to see if you can split them uh, really well. But on the 19th, as I say, uh, Omega 2, the lower one, will actually have Mars right next to it sort of thing, right underneath it. So I, I love those little encounters as such. Now, Mars will gradually move northwards past the constellation. It technically moves into Ophiuchus. It's one of those weird things that uh, the 13th constellation of the Zodiac, really, you know, uh, because Scorpius is, because the International Astronomical Union, the way how they drew the boundaries based on the RAN deck sort of thing, it's sort of like angular. So you've got this small section for Scorpius and then Ophiuchus intrudes into this region. And so Mars will pass into Ophiuchus. But what we find on the 25th and 26th, very important days for certain people, sort of thing, hopefully lots of prezzies, um, that will have it passing north of Antares. It'll be several degrees away, but Mars is the red planet and Antares is the ruby red heart of the scorpion. So a great chance this time, if you like getting up in the morning, great chance to see the red planet with this really red star as well. So that's something to look out for. And then to cap it all, right at the very end of the month, the thin crescent moon ends up hanging below Omega and Beta, Scorpii as well, with Mars off to its far left. It forms a triangle, really, with Antares again and Mars. You've got that triangle. This is a bit more of a pointy triangle, I have to say, as well. And you need to be looking, as I say, in the morning twilight, and you're looking at around towards the southeast. So it's better if you've got a good, clear, horizon that is always useful for these sort of things. Now I mentioned right at the start that we're looking at things like um, sort of like a parade of the planets. Now it doesn't happen often where you get all the proper planets and sorry, sorry Pluto, I apologize Pluto, but no you're not in, you're not included in this. Sorry, you've been demoted. But the major planets of so Mercury out to Neptune are actually all viewable. So we're looking now for Mercury and Venus in the evening sky. This is the last week, starting, say, from December the 25th. So on the 25th, very low down in the southwest in very bright evening twilight, so you've got to bear that in mind, as Venus moves from left to right, December the 25th to January the 1st, Mercury moves up from the right to the left. So it's almost like they're swapping places or trying to swap places. But you won't be able to mistake Venus. Venus is the evening star. Um, and it is the one I think pretty much everybody would recognise as the evening star. I do wonder if they'll uh, think about that on uh, Christmas night when they see the actual evening star there hanging above the horizon. Uh, I'm sure we'll have stories about the uh, Christmas star. Was it Venus, etc. I'm sure nobody really knows the answer to that. There's going to be a debate going on for years, but it gives people something to debate, doesn't it? But I say we'll have both evening planets in the twilight, the evening twilight. So that starts us off. And if you remember, Saturn is the next planet out. It's in Capricornus. And then on the lower edge of Aquarius, we've got Jupiter. Now, Jupiter and Venus are the two brightest of the planets, has to be said. So you've already got four planets, but it doesn't stop there. If you go a bit further on in Aquarius, you have Neptune. Now, you will need 
large binoculars or a small telescope to spot Neptune, but it is not impossible. So that'll be in Aquarius as well. And then further up along the ecliptic, you get up to Aries, sort of really on an area, a uh, line between Hamel and the sort of like the Mu of uh, Satii, and then you find this Uranus. So you've got Uranus as well. Now, binoculars will show that. And if you've got really keen eyesight and a dark sight, it is potentially possible to see as a naked eye object. I've seen it a few times, not many. And now I need glasses. I have to say, I can't see it, unfortunately. But at least I'm glad that at some point I did actually manage to spot it uh, a few years ago with the naked eye. You can see why it easily got missed. You know, it's such an inconspicuous thing. It's just on that borderline. So we're doing well now. We've got six planets. And of course, we've got Mars in the morning sky. So if you're really keen, well, I suppose what you could do is just set an alarm, go to bed. But if you're anything like me, you set an alarm and the alarm goes off and you smash the alarm and then go back to sleep. So, so the moral of the story is don't smash the alarm, listen to the alarm and get up. You know, because then you'll be able to see the final planet in this parade. But you'll have seen all the major planets in the solar system in the course of one night. And you can do that for most of that week from December the 25th to the very end of the year. So I always like that, to actually get this parade of planets sort of thing. It'd be interesting to photograph them, wouldn't it? Take a photograph of each one sort of thing. And, uh, you know, so at least you can say, I photographed all the planets in the course of one night. And on December the 31st, you remember that the moon will be up near Mars as well. So you'll have another planetary body, uh, our moon to boot. And I suppose you could go the whole log if you're into observing the sun and you have the specialised equipment. You could photograph the sun on sunrise and, and add that to the list. As well. <laughs> you, could, you could keep going on. We could add series and whatnot. And, you know, the, the list is endless, isn't it? There's so I think, many I objects. think at that point, you're setting yourself a bit of a challenge. Yes, it, it is a bit of a challenge, isn't it, sort of thing. But, you know, we do like challenges with the sky at night, don't we? Now, Absolutely. The thing about this is that, um, you know, I haven't mentioned meteor showers and, uh, you know, I thought, well, I'll leave them till the end because basically meteor showers, we, we love them or hate them sort of thing because you either go out and you don't see anything <laughs> or it's cloudy or there's moonlight up sort of thing. So it's one of those things that um, our meteor showers this month are actually spoiled a little bit by moonlight. Um, the two main ones are the Geminids and the Ursids. The Geminids are on the 14th in the morning, really, the early hours of the 14th. Um, so, but the problem is the moon is up. But you, the good news is the moon sets about 3 a.m. So, I mean, it's dark skies now because it's winter. And so, really, I mean, I, I know the, uh, somebody will say, actually, December the 14th, you've got a week to go before the, the, the winter solstice. But, you know, it, it feels like winter. As as far as I'm concerned, meteorologically, they class it as winter from the 1st of December. So there we are sort of thing. But the point is, you know, after 3 a.m., the skies will get dark. So we have a window of opportunity to keep a lookout for the Geminids because they are a good... They are... Those and the Perseids are the two showers, really, we always say look out for because they are the best ones of the year. They have the most meteors um, because the zenith hourly rate is quite high, something over 100. And so the thing about that is that the high rate means you've got a better chance of seeing them. Unfortunately, a few days later, basically a week and a bit later, sort of thing, on December the 22nd, the moon will be just a few days past full and it will probably drown out the Ursids, which is a weaker display. Um, the Ursids on the 22nd then are probably going to be a lost sort of thing, even though it's a circumpolar 
um, sort of like a, a meteor shower. It's, it's visible all night, but uh, I think the moon will really spoil that one. Now, very rare. I don't often mention really minor showers, but I get the uh, the bulletins from the International Meteor Organization, and uh, I, I noticed the Sigma Hydrids. Now, I'd never heard of the sigma hydrids <laughs> <laughs> but, but they peak on the ninth so there will actually be a chance to see those during the course of the night the only problem is they have what we call a zenith hourly rate of just seven <laughs> seven oh my <laughs> but that is not high at all <laughs> it, it isn't high at all but i i've been out and i've seen meteor showers i mean you have to be patient and there is a chance that you might get some early geminids as well because obviously these, the thing about the meteor shower is that we often talk about observing on the peak night, but the reality is meteor showers are often spread over a week or two and sometimes even a month. And some meteor showers actually spread over a really wide range. So, you know, Hydra is actually rising in the early evening. And so it is worth looking at. It's, it's close. The radiant is close to the head of the hydra. So it's worth looking now. And if you can trace them back to hydra, they, they are distinctive to the Geminids. The Geminids will be a completely different route. So you know, it's worth looking out just in case you see one of these meteors for this rather small shower. But, you know, as it's in a dark sky, I always think the small showers, it's worth looking out when there's little moon because you've got a better chance of actually seeing them. So uh, that's the meteor showers for the month. The Geminids are worth trying, to say, from 3 a.m. on uh, December the 14th. You can look. I, I would look 13th, the morning of the 13th, the morning of the 14th and the 15th, because they are spread out over that period of time. So, you know, and as we go into the 14th and 15th, the moon will be getting, it'll be setting sort of better. So uh, we'll have longer to see on the 15th. But the 14th is the peak morning, really. Ursids washed out, but these rather unusual sigma hydrids worth trying for on the ninth sort of thing in the evening. Just keep a lookout. You never know, you might spot them. So there's quite a lot to see. Uh, there's an occultation thrown in for good measure as well. We've, we've got the potential for a comet. So you never know, Wesley. You know, fingers crossed. We're, we're all hoping we have some clear skies. That's the key, isn't it? It's the clear skies. You know, we're, we, we can have all these predictions. As you say, we can predict the solar system with clockwork. But in the end, we're at the mercy of the weather. Yeah, we can at least guarantee the dark nights. We can guarantee the long nights, but we can't guarantee the clear nights. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So yeah, it sounds like there's lots to see in the December night sky. Starting off at the beginning of the month, you've got Mars appearing in the morning sky. Uh, then moving on throughout the month, you've got 8-1 Leonid, potentially a comet um, that could be appearing close to the horizon. So keep an eye out on that for the first half of the month. Then on the 25th, on Christmas Day, and going on to Boxing Day, Mars, the red planet, will be passing the red star Antares. So that's definitely one to look out for. And then finally, in the last week of the month, you'll have all of the major planets visible throughout the night. So if you fancy setting yourself a little challenge, um, why not try and photograph all of the planets in one single night? And if you manage it, make sure you let us know at contact us at skyatnightmagazine.com. Dot com. We always love to see all of your pictures. 
So thank you very much for joining us today, Paul, and telling us all about what's coming up in the month. My pleasure, Izzy. If you want to find out even more about the spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky this month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for in December 2021. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered, with detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Brittany Colley. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.